Hello and welcome to Sports and Songs. Today's episode, today is January 18th, 2020, with your co-hosts, Dan and Andy. We've got some updates for today's episode. Uh, how are you doing, Andy? I'm doing good. Doing good. Got a, not as much snow as we thought here, but we're doing okay. Yeah, we had the big dreaded snowstorm come in and uh, dump the snow. And now I think today's, we're going to be just hit with the wind. Lots of wind. Yeah, maybe a little more this afternoon, but... Today will be clearing up and should be good by this evening. Yes, we're under a winter um, weather warning uh, as of now. So uh, hopefully uh, people stranded at home will be able to listen to the podcast today and get their uh, sports and music fix um, at home without leaving with the comfort of their own home. Yes. So where do you want to start today, Andy? You want to do uh, some college football, um, college gopher sports, and uh, get the ball rolling for the episode? Yeah, bad. Start off with uh, updated rankings for uh, men's and women's basketball and hockey. I got some gopher news here. Uh, top, we'll just go to the top three for each for uh, men's basketball right now. Still Gonzaga at number one. Baylor up to number two, and the Dukies dropping to three. Women's basketball. South Carolina jumped to number one. Baylor to two. Stanford to three. Uh, men's hockey is now a tie at number one. Oh. Cornell and North Dakota tied at one. Okay. And Minnesota State at three. And there's a change in women's hockey. Minnesota takes over number one. Wisconsin drops to two after Wisconsin lost to Bemidji State last weekend. So, go Beavers. <laughs> and Northeastern at three. Now, getting the women's basketball, a little uh, tensions raising, if you will, with the women's, go for women's basketball. Uh, Destiny Pitts was the first team All-American guard for the go for women's basketball team. Announced Thursday she intends to transfer in the wake of being suspended indefinitely. I guess after a game against Northwestern, I believe it was, she had a bad, uh, body language that Coach Whalen didn't approve of. I have not seen the video of her, so I can't tell you exactly what she did. Something Coach Whalen was, didn't approve of, suspended her indefinitely. This was a girl who was our big star player. Well, now she wants to transfer, so look for more. More fun there going on with the girl for women. I mean, kudos to Coach Whalen for putting her foot down. I don't know if she went too far making an example. Again, like I said, I haven't seen the video, what the girl did, if she was right or wrong. But uh, so that happened. And then the first game after that, the girl for women played Iowa, number 22 ranked Iowa. And the Gophers lost by one, 76 to 75, where they missed some free throws at the end. A note on that Gopher basketball game for Iowa, uh, Iowa Center. Local Gopher from Watertown Mayor Monica Cezano, who's uh, replacing Megan Gustafson, who went on to the WNBA. Megan last year with Iowa was miss everything. She got their version of the women's basketball MVP for the year. So Monica's filling in for her. Monica in the homecoming had 21 points. She was 10 for 11 from the floor, 1 for 2 from the free throw line, 4 rebounds and a block shot. Um, so good news for a local girl there from Watertown there. And for Iowa now. Good for women are now 11 and 6. The next two games are at Purdue and then home against Wisconsin on Wednesday. Uh, the men's team went 2-0 last week, 2-10-7 overall, with wins over Michigan and Penn State, both at the barn. This week they will be at Rutgers on Sunday, then at Ohio State. Kind of revenge game when we beat Ohio State earlier, so that might be a long night Thursday for the Gophers. Uh, Gopher hockey, the men are eight and ten and four. 
They split with Michigan State last week. Uh, this week they have an exhibition game with the U.S. hockey team, the under-18 team. Then the week after that, they hit by their schedule again. The Gopher women are, like I said, 19-1-3, number one in the country. They swept St. Cloud State. Next up for them is Ohio State this weekend. Uh, speaking of the Ohio State game, in Minnesota this weekend is not the Pond Hockey Championships on Lake Minnetonka and Excelsior. It's also where we have Hockey Day in Minnesota. Uh, where they play a bunch of games outdoors. Uh, this year they're playing with Parade Stadium in Minneapolis. For most of them, uh, 9 a.m. local time here in Minnesota. So you're probably just catching something right after you're listening to this. That's when the coverage begins. It's on Fox Sports Go or FSN. Uh, Railroad against Minneapolis for boys hockey at 9.30 in the morning. These are all outdoor games. 1 p.m. is Blaine against Blake, boys hockey team. 4 o'clock up at the Herb Brooks Center in St. Cloud is Minnesota Duluth against St. Cloud State. 4.30 is the Ohio State and University of Minnesota women's game will be outside at 4.30 at Parade Park in Minneapolis. And then at 8 o'clock tonight, the Wilder at home against Dallas Stars, and that's inside at the XL Energy Center. So lots of hockey on TV today, a lot of outdoors, get your hockey fix. Um, in between games, you can catch up and listen to us here, see how we're doing. Exactly. That is what I got for go for news, sir. Well, that's very good. And uh, we're heading into, we're already midway through January. The month's going fast and uh, big time for sports, the winter sports season. Lots, lots going on. Yeah, get uh, some basketball's heating up, uh, you look at the national rankings for basketball, all these top teams are losing all the time. I think we put something up on the Facebook page. These top five teams are losing all these games, which is making the men's basketball this year be a lot of fun to watch. Getting real excited for March Madness already held. Usually March Madness first two rounds are pretty easy to pick. Can't even pick the playing games anymore. They're really competitive, fun to watch games. Excellent. All right. That sounds good. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the update, Andy. Well, let's get into some football. Let's get into some college football. Last weekend, there was the national championship games, games with an S, yes, plural. Yep. And so we had the FSC, uh, which is Division One still. And FCS, the, yep. And the F, FCS, and then also the uh, Division One uh, national title game, the LSU-Clemson yep. game. Uh, which one do you want to cover first? Uh, I'm guessing well, the Bison. You know, and I'm trying to be biased here, but between the four NFL games and two college ones, you saw that Bison game, that had to be the best game ever. It went down to literally the last play of the game. Um, 28-20 victory for the Bison. James Madison was marching down the field. Quarterback throws an interception in the end zone with seven seconds to go. That was, that was a great, that was great, a great from start That was a great finish. I watched that entire fourth quarter. Uh, the first three quarters I had it on uh, kind of in the background. But the fourth quarter I watched, and, you know, North Dakota State had a two-touchdown two lead. But James Madison came down that field and scored and then had a chance at the very end. They were in the red zone uh, uh -huh. with seven seconds left, made a pass in the end zone, picked off when the Bison defender jumped the route, picked it off, and basically uh, that ended with two seconds left. And then they had a kneel down before everyone stormed the field. But great game. He ran out to about the 10-yard line and slid just to give him plenty of room for the victory formation. And, and it was pretty exciting. Pretty exciting game. Either way, I mean, 
if my if my team lost that way, if it was that close a game, that was a great game to watch. This is a football fan. It was a great game for the Division Two football or FCS football to show. Hey, look, we could play good games too. So it was a great, great all around game. Those uh those two brothers from James Madison are fun to watch as well. Yeah, yeah, they were they were they were clicking up pretty good. They were kind of scaring me in that last drive. I thought they came up for something there, but. Now, how about the LSU-Clemson uh, big title game last Monday night? You know, watching that one, I, like I, said, I really thought it'd be closer. I don't know if Clemson just wasn't clicking, if LSU was just feeling it. It just seemed like Clemson seemed kind of lost in the second half. Like, not that the heart wasn't in it, but it just something was missing, you know. LSU just had that, uh, okay, both teams are Tigers, I'd say, but they had that eye of the Tiger that got, you know, we're going to win this one, so... It was a not as exciting game to watch in the second half. First half I thought was pretty good. The second half kind of lulled me a little bit. Well, it's on to the new year. A great, a great game indeed that was. And now we'll get the new uh, recruiting classes, the preseason ranking polls, and all that jazz uh, here for the next uh, fall 2020 season around the corner. And it should be a good one. The Gophers finished with the final ranking poll, I think. Right at number ten. I saw one guy in uh, was a ESPN or Fox Sports some kind of post put on teams that impressed him the most in the bowl games, and he had the Gophers at number one. So a lot of people were liking the way the Gophers played in the bowl game. They were fun to watch, exciting to watch, exciting to look forward to. So a lot of teams, I guess, uh, the Gophers are looking at their preseason schedule for the next few years, and a lot of teams want a piece of us now. So we'll get we'll get better matchups instead of. South Cornhole State somewhere, you know, some Division three school. You play better games, therefore it helps you in the rankings better on, too. Uh, I don't know if you followed this, Andy, but there is a uh, end of the bowl season each year. Uh, someone puts together the all-college football bowl team from all the games, the, the best quarterbacks, receivers, and running backs from the bowl season. And uh, our own gopher receiver, Tyler Johnson, was um, one of the top three receivers uh, mentioned in that all-bowl uh, team for the bowl season. Uh, what a great. tremendous great. numbers that he put up. There's actually a couple of guys uh, in the college have a lot of their all-star games, North-South, Blue Gray games coming up, Senior Bowl, stuff like that. And the Senior Bowl is a couple of buys and playing in that game. And that's another one of the games where there's the all-star games. And they invite some of the Division two guys in also that are seniors. Because a lot of them, don't, like we said last week, a lot of them don't play in the bowl games to avoid injury for their draft pick and everything else, which is great. Bring the other guys up who want to play a chance to play. That's what I want to see. So those are always fun games to watch, too. Correct. All right, anything else for football? Well, i got nothing else for college football, but what did you think of those NFL playoff games? Well, the NFL playoff games were, were good. I, I was completely shocked by that uh, Baltimore Ravens loss. Oh, wow, yeah, that bad, too. I mean, whew. And uh, speaking of football, um, uh, what was the deal with Antonio Brown this week? Well, Antonio Brown was messed up. I heard OBJ was not acting like a gentleman out there. Um, I haven't heard too much on the Antonio Brown one. I know OBJ was down at uh, after the championship game, not acting like a gentleman. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> in case pastors listen, we'll just leave it at that. But that's so what he's in issues. Antonio Brown's been causing issues with other stuff. I, and the sad thing is, these guys got both so much talent. And I, I don't know why they do what they do like that, but it, it just not not act like uh, 
the way they do. I think that uh, with, with Ant- Antonio Brown, you know, he's out of football now, doesn't have a team, but one of the best receivers uh, just a couple of years ago, he was featured on the cover of the Madden video game, uh, which is your, your best player, really your feature player in the entire NFL. Now he's live streamed a custody battle dispute with his children and his uh, ex-girlfriend, I think, the other day, and it went, you know, viral, and it was just um, nasty. So I think what the one of the repercussions um, could be in his favor. Uh, I'm guessing Vince McMahon from the XFL will be heavily trying to recruit him to play because boy, he'd fit in with that group uh, real well. All right, he put butts in the seats and people on TV to watch. Yeah. Very, uh, very interesting. Now we've got the... Got to take that Madden curse to a next level, doesn't it? Exactly, exactly. Uh, but like you said, very, t- extremely talented player. Boy, uh, boy, he is, uh, he is good. It was fun to watch. I'm doing that, yeah. Now I don't have anything on the XFL today, but just to notify the, the, uh, the listeners out there that three weeks from today, uh, mark your calendars, the, ki- the, the season kicks off. Just, just put that... Update your calendars, and um, it's a ten-game, ten-week season officially starts off here in um, you know, three weeks from today. There's no preseason games. There's no exhibition. Uh, it kicks off with the regular season. Anything All else right. for for uh, for college? Uh, not for college or XFL. No, just uh, some previews. I got a couple coaching changes in the NFL here. Yeah, let's let's cover that, and then we can get into the to the NFL. Playoff projections. All right, great. Um, as we all know, Gophers, uh, or I'm sorry, Gophers, Vikings offensive coordinator Kevin Stavansky took the job with Cleveland as head coach. Um, and also the Vikings left their uh, defensive coordinators and DB uh, coach both let go. So the Vikings are looking for all all the coordinators. They're high coordinators right now. And former Viking offensive coordinator John DeFilippi, Filipino of Jacksonville. He was here for a year. We let him go. He went to Jacksonville. Let go again. So he's been fired twice in 13 months. But as looking at the rest of the NFL teams, uh, the Dolphins and the Vikings and the Rams are both looking for offensive and defensive coordinators. And there's about three or four other offensive coordinator jobs up there, a couple of defensive coordinator jobs up there. But the New York Giants last night, Signed Jason Garrett as offensive coordinator. Interesting. Former Cowboys coach. So he stays in the division, goes up to the Big Apple. He'll be there, uh, the judge or rookie coach up there. But I think Jason Garrett would do good with the young quarterback, Daniel Jones, the Giants have, and Saquon Bartley, a running back. He's a good receiver. I think Jason Garrett could do things to that offense there as a coordinator. I, I think uh, that's, that's his best role. Um, Head coach isn't yep. really suited for him, but I think he'd be a tremendous offensive coordinator, and the Giants are uh, lucky to get him, I think. Yeah, and you got a rookie head coach coming in, so you get one of your coordinators who has head coaching experience who can help him out a little bit going, this is how it's done, this is what we got to do, you know. So that's kind of a, a good hire right there for the Giants, I think. Perfect. Now we've got games coming up here. Uh, it's, NF, it's, uh, it's NFL Championship Sunday here uh, on tomorrow. We've got the AFC Championship game the NFC championship game winners advance to the Super Bowl in two weeks. Losers go home. I've got a weather report, Kansas city tomorrow. I was hoping for some snow and some elements, but it's going to be 20 and sunny at, at Arrowhead stadium. All right. And they've got the two o'clock game 
San Francisco's got the 5.40 p.m. game against the Packers. Uh, weather yep. will not be a factor there. It's going to be 55 degrees or something. Yeah, I got a uh, – for the Chiefs game, you know, that game I'm really looking forward to. The Chiefs with their explosive offense and Titans with their old college football, run it on your throat type offense, which would be two totally different offenses. It should be fun to watch. And who have you got for uh, – let's get into our predictions for the ball games. Well, the boys in Vegas have the Chiefs favored by seven over the Titans, the 53 over under. And um, I, I, my my heart wants Tennessee to win. A wallet says Kansas City's going to win. So I think I'll, I'll go with my heart though for us. So I'm going to take Tennessee plus the points. Ah, and I've got – I am uh, backwards there. I, I want the Chiefs. I'd like to see the Kansas City Chiefs with that team go to the Super Bowl, but I have a gut feeling Tennessee is going to win that ball game, twenty-eight twenty-six in a close, close match. Then in our afternoon game, San Francisco was a seven and a half point favorite against Green Bay. Uh, Green Bay has been pulling out of their hat. I mean, they keep getting different receivers. You know, they have one good receiver, one good runner coming through. Everybody complains about Aaron Rodgers' numbers. He's just not taking the chances anymore. He just throws the ball away instead of trying to sneak one in. So, of course, his completion rating is down. Of course, his yards are down. But you know what? So are interceptions. He's not making dumb turnovers, you know. So he's playing smarter football, which I like. You know, the numbers don't show it, which all the analytics are today. They want to see your numbers. I want to see wins. That's the number I want to see. I mean, Tennessee, there are two games in the playoffs. Tennessee hasn't thrown for 100 yards in a game yet. And they've won both games. So... 250 yards and four touchdowns isn't going to win the game all the time. You know, just ask guys from Texas, from the, from the Houston Texans. Um, but uh, San Francisco Green Bay, I got the 49ers winning that game, though. I think they're, just clicking, on, they're clicking too good right now. They're at home. They're having fun. Uh, but they still understand what they need to do. You saw in the Viking game, the one safety got burned twice. Funny, he didn't see the field after that. They didn't play around. So... They had the lead. They ran the ball and killed the clock. They didn't try to run up the score. They played smart football. San Francisco impressed me a lot. I'm going to take them minus the points. I've got San Francisco winning 31-21. I, I just think it's their year. Um, I'm a big fan of their uh, tight end, of course, and um, it's uh, it's a fun team to watch. I think they will win that game there. Now, I also wouldn't be surprised if Green Bay won. I, I wouldn't blink twice. That would be an upset to me, no. But no. I think the San Francisco's clicking too good right now. Yeah. I, I agree. Well, very good. Anything more for NFL or college football, Andy? No, that wraps up for the NFL. Awesome. Perfect. Play well. Now let's move on to some baseball. Baseball news, Major League Baseball. Big signing for the Twins, Josh Donaldson, um, to play the third base, to play third base on a four-year deal, $92 million. It hasn't been announced yet officially on the transaction list, but uh, all the news are covering it. I think the reason for that is that they've got 41 guys in their 40-man roster right now, and they need to make a move. And once they make that move, someone's got to go, and then they will have their 40-man roster um, ready to go for spring training, I believe. Uh, What are your thoughts on Donaldson? I, I myself like him. I think it's a great fit. I'm not too worried about the pitching. Uh, Everyone else I talk to is. But with this lineup, um, you're going to get home run hitters probably batting in the order one through eight. 
that, that that could have potentially 25 or more home runs in that entire order. So you're saying Brian Braxton at nine is not going to hit 25 home runs? Well, who's ever at nine <laughs> might be hitting 15 home runs. But yes, it's it's tremendous. One one scenario put you know Miguel Sano batting in the seven hole playing first base. So and they just signed him to an extension too. Yeah, and you've got you know you got the second last year of Nelson Cruz, which means that. Um, down the road, you may see Miguel Sano transfer to the full-time DH. Uh, you know, we've got Which first baseman coming. He, has, he hasn't been able to stay healthy for an entire season. Correct. So maybe first base might help out with that. But like I said, if you go back and listen to the archives, I've, I'd written off us getting draft dials on last week. I thought we were out of it. A lot of places didn't even list us as one of those teams for coming anymore. Uh, sources say I've talked to Donaldson lately. He liked our stadium. That's why he came here. He goes, I've had good numbers up there. I think they got a good team. He goes, he goes, I think they got a, I mean, I think we have a good team. So he had to catch himself a few times on that. But uh, he, he decided to come here, which is kind of fun. You don't see a lot of guys like, oh, they offered me more money. Let's go play there. He wants to come here. He liked our stadium. He liked the numbers he was hitting up here. That's what he was doing. Does that sound selfish? He's doing it for his numbers. Well, if you're having fun, isn't that what it's all about? Correct. And it's a four-year deal. He's his, he's 34 years old, I think now. Um, that'll get up there, and I'm I'm guessing personally he'll play two, probably two years at third base, uh, and that four-year deal. He's another one that could uh, platoon at DH because of his bat. Yep, or move to first base for him and Sano, something like that. Yeah. Sure, sure. But they've got you know Mitch Garver catching. I've got Sano uh, first base, Luis Arise second, Polanco at third, Donaldson now at uh, uh, Polanco at short. Sorry. Donaldson third, Rosario in left, Buxton in center, Kepler in right, Nelson Cruz is a DH, and you still got guys in the bench catching uh, Alex Avila, Williams yep. Ostadio, Adrianza, and we haven't even brought up yet Marwin Gonzalez, uh, another guy that could platoon all over the place, infield and outfield, and have yeah, power. So I think it'll be good. Now the pitching, because we've only got real three lock starters so far, um, you know, we got Pineda is not going to start the season because he's going to finish up his suspension. And we got Rich yep. Hill from the Dodgers, who's uh, still coming off his rehab. He's not going to be joining the team until uh, possibly June. And so we have three really, I think, solid starters. We got Barrios, Odorizzi, Homer Bailey. But the interesting thing that I think we're going to be able to test out some younger guys coming up, uh, some young talents as far as prospects, it, that's assuming now we don't pick up any uh, free agent starters here in the next, uh, next month, but yeah, uh, they, yeah. they may yeah, give some of these, they may give some of these guys a look, the, these younger guys uh, to start, to start the season. But boy, June rolls around. The twins will be a tough, uh, tough team to beat. We may be winning games 12 to 11, but uh, I think winning nonetheless with the, with the power these guys have. Donaldson is good. And I did see the Sabre, I'm sorry, the states, the statistics, Sabermetrics, if you call it. He's one of the most biggest twins killer of all time uh, when it comes to average, home runs, RBIs, and getting on base. Uh, as far as opponents, twins opponents, he has been the guy. And to have him on our squad both helps us, and it helps when we play whatever team he is on because uh, he has he has always been known to uh, kill the twins. So that'll be that's a great pickup, I think. One stat I heard the other day, um, one of the new stats that I was wins above replacement. 
Josh Johnson's was just well over six last year. And we only oh. had two twins. We only had two twins third basemen in Twins history to have a wins over replacement be six or higher. Hmm. Do you know who they are? No, no. Harmon Killebrew and Corey Koski. Oh, interesting. Yeah, Koski. I always remember Koski. I liked him, but man, I can't remember who his backup was or his wins over replacement was that high. No offense to Koski, great guy and all, but holy buckets. I didn't think he was that good. That's interesting. That's a great stat. Uh, anything else for, for baseball? So the Twins, you know, this will be interesting what they've got. I don't see anything big coming up. There might be some low-level uh, kind of a tier tier two free agent signings for pitching, if at all. There might be nothing. They might be happy going in with what they've got. Unless there's some team that at the beginning of the year, like after a month and a half, you know, two months, like that's it, we're shutting it down on fire sale. We can pick up a good free agent then, a trade there maybe. But besides that, I think they'll probably hold steady and maybe pick up a guy to trade that line at the end of the year. But I think they're going to go through the season with two of the dance. Unless, like I said, some big name comes up mid-season for some reason. But Well, I think what I mentioned earlier is on that 40-man roster, the thing that I didn't didn't mention is, you know, they've got to get rid of someone. And I was looking at that 40-man roster uh, just yesterday, and there's a lot of talent on that group, including guys like Jake Cave and uh, – you know, guys coming up as well uh, that are good, solid players. So we could also see a, not just an outright cut, but a potential trade with one of those guys uh, to to get someone in return. Kind of starts failing after four to six weeks, eight weeks. We got guys to trade for him. Yeah, because right now it looks you know Jake Cave could be starting the year in AAA, and he is a uh, a major league player in my opinion, um, a lower end major league player, but. Uh, I don't see him in the minor leagues uh, at all. And you've got Gonzalez uh, and Arianza, Adrianza and Ostadillo. So lots of um, lots of interesting things. I'm, I'm I will be excited to see what that uh, how what we deal with that last player to get rid of or cut or trade because I think they've got to make that decision here in a couple in the next couple of days. Do, do they not? Yeah, pitchers and catchers report in a month, so less than a month, you know, three weeks. So. You know, I got so many, so many tickets to send down there for guys. You know, that you can bring up. So you want to cut now. That makes it a lot easier at spring training. And then the word still is potentially an Eddie Rosario trade with his stock being the highest it's probably going to be. Um, I, I'd rather not see this happen, but boy, we could get someone in return of him because we do have outfielders um, coming up. We've got Luke Rayleigh coming up. Uh, we got, like I mentioned, Jake Cave, you know, some other guys. Alex Kirillov is still there as some of these top prospects. I liked Jake Cave last year. He had some at that at the end there, and I liked him a lot. He did. Yeah, he's coming into his own. So a lot of potential there. So that'll be interesting to to watch. Uh, anything else for before we get into the scandal of baseball? Uh, anything else that you've got for local Twins? Uh, not for the local club. I just know I was looking at uh, the Gopher baseball schedule coming up here. They start coming up. They will have uh, just over a dozen games at U.S. Bank Stadium. Okay. They'll have, they'll have a lot of games down south to start with, Arizona and Oklahoma and that. Then have a good dozen games up here in uh, February at U.S. Bank Stadium where they start playing outside at Seward. So that should be kind of fun. If you want to go see some indoor baseball, as you're watching the spring training games down in, for the Twins, you want to go see some good college ball inside at Bank. They'll have those games there too. Um, I didn't see any ticket prices. I looked, I didn't see ticket prices, but I. Don't think it could be that much. Yeah, they're they're very reasonable. 
Let's talk a little scandal. Yeah, let's talk scandal. That was a leading story in the news this week for sports was really the baseball sign-stealing scandal. And it wasn't even from last year. We're talking things that happened in 2017 and 2018. But it's really right. making the waves because the backlash is is really hitting home on some of this. Uh, what are some of the updates that you have on that, Andy? Um, just what I hear now is, you know, the Astros and how they did it so fast, it has to be practice on it, obviously. The story there is the Astros have a guy in the outfield who's seen the sign or the guy on TV. Some guy in the back would see it and he'd do some kind of Morse code tap on a garbage can to echo it out. The bat over here and he knew what was coming. Uh, Jose Otunbe of the Astros, they even saw they found a couple of bats where he was going against Chapman. All of a sudden, Otunbe moved up in the batter's box. Well, you know I do that if you know a pitcher's coming. Sure enough, he, he went home run with it. C.C. Sebastian, some other Yankees at the time were saying they thought something was wrong. Uh, the Astros' numbers at home were so much better than the road. Uh. Um, there's one clip that came out now where after a two-day hit a home run to win the game, Rose ripped the guy's jersey off. He was holding his jersey saying, no, don't rip it off. And he ran straight to the dugout afterwards because they were saying he had something in his, like a, a chip or a microphone in his jersey. Where, like, that's where he joined the beep of what the pitch was coming. So everybody's all suspicious of that. And the sad thing is, is before this came out last month, everybody loved the Houston Astros. Correct. Because they were such a great team because they did the way a lot of other teams did. A few years ago, they blew it up. They basically called up their AAA team for a couple of years, lost 100 games a few years in a row, but they turned it around. A.J. Hinch, great manager. But the Astros have always been tagged as having that the cheater and that mentality in a way. They had, um, back in the 80s, when Roger Craig was manager, he used to manage for the San Francisco Giants as a pitching coach. Mike Scott got traded to the Astros and he was always accused of scuffing the ball because he learned that from Roger Craig. So, of course, when he pitched against the Giants, Roger Craig was accused of scuffing the ball. The Astros had nailed for that. So they kind of had that mystique for a little bit. Clemens with the steroids pitched for the Astros for a while. You know, so the Astros that Bagwell and them at you know steroids. So they're trying to clear all their names from that stuff, and now this happens. You know, the team you really want to like, <laughs> and as soon as you like them, they do this. And then the Red Sox were using some video replay stuff, and the reason their their coach is getting nailed for. It, Cora, is he used to play on the Astros team that was cheating. So it was all coming out over there and snowballing over. And the thing I respect about the Major League Baseball, what they did with the Astros, the commissioner came out and said, GM, head coach, you're suspended for a year. The ink was even dry on that when the owner of the Astros came out and said, no, no, they're fired. They're done. So I respect the front office for that because you can't blame the owner for the cheating. He just writes the checks and picks the players. You know. But, well, now for these for the for the listeners out there that aren't really aware of this, Andy, is this stealing signs? Uh, this is the signs giving the the catcher giving the pitcher the signs for the pitch. And so when there's a guy on second, uh, runners on base, they use various indicators. Um, and so are, are these signs stealing, is this when Nolan's on base 
when that's well, the original but, sign, or is it when guys are on on base and they also seem to know what the indicator is helping out the batter? That's when there's no on base. Now, okay, gotcha. For me and, and you who, who play the game, if you're on second base, you can see the sign, you can tip, tip it in. Is that stealing signs? Yes. Is that part of the game? Yes. The third base coach can see the catcher's fingers go down. That's all part of the game. If you figure out a pattern with the guy, that's all part of the game. Yeah. As a runner at second base can see it and steal the sign, that's part of the game. But when you're using a camera from the outfield and this and that, and you're relaying signals in, that's a little too much. But if the runners can see it, if the coaches see it, you're relaying it in, that's no different than any other sport. You know, you, you hear the guy calling the play from the sidelines for football or basketball, you kind of let everybody else know what's going on. You talk to each other. Is that cheating? Yes, I guess. But it's considered part of the game, too. Yeah, but boy, if you are, if you are using technology, that's something different. If you're on in the batter's box digging in, and you're facing Araldus Chapman, and you know a fastball is coming, that does certainly give you a huge advantage because you put a ball, oh, yeah. you put the bat on that ball, and it's going to go away. And um, boy, yeah. So that's why we're two days moved up in the box. Like, why would you move up in the box unless you knew it was coming? You know, so. And the way they able to build that, that stuff around so fast, relay that information, that's what blew me away. Yeah, it's, that's, that's quick. We're talking seconds uh, from the sign yeah. given to getting it in, relaying it to the batter, which is, uh, it still blows my mind. And you have to listen for that sound and still watching for a pitch. So, without sounding like mean, but, or like a cheater myself, but credit to the Astros for figuring it out and doing it that well. Not saying I approve of it or condone it, but. Good job for them for doing such a good job at doing it, too, you know? Yeah, you're... Like we said, this is having this ripple-down effect. One of their players, Joey Cora, now is fired from, or agreed to terms to leave the Red Sox. Funny, this offseason, the Mets hired Carlos Beltran, one of those players. He's now relieved to his job. He didn't even play a game this year. He got hired in the offseason and left. Which makes me think, are you going to want to trade for these Astros players throughout the year? If they had a free agent, would you want one of them? Because you don't know if someone's going to come down later on going, oh, he was part of the cheating scandal, you're suspended. Will they do that? Who knows? So would you trade for an Astros player right now? Yeah, whether they're part of it or not, they're still wearing that scarlet letter to, to some extent. Right. In fact, I saw on Twitter a couple of players put stuff out there. Uh, Ray Oswald put a thing out on Twitter. These were both on the 13th. He put these out. He goes, so let me get this right. You steal science and you get fired. But you do steroids and you get millions of dollars in contracts and then you get inducted into the Hall of Fame. And then Phil Hughes, former Twins pitcher Phil Hughes, goes, <laughs> this is one kind of tongue-in-cheek, but to a point you can see where he's coming from. He goes, I looked at my career numbers against Altuve, Springer, and Cora, and raced from my record books. Seriously, though, it's bad. Can they do that? <laughs> so... <laughs> So he's having fun with it. You know, you've got to kind of laugh at it a little bit too, but now they're saying, do they take these championships away from them? I mean, they're, they're calling now the Houston Asterixes as a, a team name. Uh, is it, maybe in baseball, let's put their Asterixes out there in the record books. Is that what these two seasons are going to be? And the one part you feel bad for the most on these, because they were affected in both the Red Sox year and the Astros year, is the Dodgers. He lost to both of them. 
Yes. You know. So it's like you kind of feel bad for them too. It's like, man, if you know, where really do you get your team good enough to make the playoffs two years in a row for a chance at the World Series, and you lost to cheaters? So is ESPN going to show all the Red Sox games this year like they have all the time? Are they going to be big on the Astros games? Are, are those games going to be on TV a lot? What's this ripple down effect going to be? Certainly, uh, interesting, interesting conversation to to have. But here's a kind of a, a list of you know again. Now, so you want to be the coach to fill in for these three teams. Look what you're inheriting. You know, uh, some of the short list for names for the Mets coaching list. Uh, Eduardo Perez, current uh, current his commentary for ESPN. Um, I like Eduardo. He he applied for a job last year and lost out to Carlos Beltran. So. He's, he's one of the top guys on there. I think he'd be good for the team. Um, they're also listing guys like Terry Collins and Dusty Baker and Buck Schultz ex-managers coming going, we need a band-aid to fix us now. We don't have time. You know, I think those three names be thrown out for that. I mean, Collins is still a special advisor with the Mets, so he's still under contract with them. It'd be easy to move him down. You know, Dusty Baker and Buck Schultz kind of they're just trying to get names in there to save face. You know, I wouldn't like either of those. I'd like either maybe Terry Collins come back down or Perez. I would be impressed with either one of those. Um, as far as the Astros are concerned, they got Joel Espada. He's uh, currently their bench coach. I would say no one next. You're part of that current coaching staff. You knew what was going on. I'm surprised he still has a job. But another name for the Astros is John Gibbons, who used to be the He's a former manager for the Blue Jays. He had them to some back-to-back championships in 2015-2016. So I'd see him get the job there. He'd be a, a good fit in. And the Red Sox are looking at Jason Baratek, former player. Just, again, Bates Crock, happy. He would be happy, someone they could trust. So that's what we're kind of looking at. And also a name, um, Rick Renneke, or Ron Renneke, coming up as the Red Sox for a job. But he was Cora's bench coach. Again, I don't know if they'd want any of those same coaching staff guys in there. Frankie had nothing to do with it, but he was part of Cora's staff. Cora was the cheater, killed by association. You still have those guys on, so who knows? Andy, do they do they ever penalize or go after the person uh, conspiring to do this? The actual the actual person? Do they get fired? Who's calling in? What the sign is uh, on the outfield with the with the binoculars? Why aren't they? Why don't they address it that way and go after those the, the actual people stealing the sign? I think that's what they're trying to narrow down is who exactly was doing it. Was it a group effort? Was it the whole team had to be involved in it, obviously. Or was it just three players doing it? I think that's what they're trying to figure out first. Before that, I mean, Altuve's name has come out. We'll see all the other guys and every other names are named. They're trying to clear because apparently it was Cora's idea. He was one of the brain trusts behind it when the Astros did it. And same with Beltron. He had something to do with it. A lot of those players had something to do with it now gone. So these guys are all cleared. Don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Right. It's just interesting that all we hear in the news is the players or the coaches, but we don't hear anything about the actual people doing this, actually doing the stealing of the sign. Someone's doing it, right. whether it's a camera operator or someone with binoculars yeah. uh, or us, it's actually the person that is actually doing that, that, that yet we never hear about those individuals. I think because they're not the actual players, they're doing it under the direction of the general manager, the coach, that's why those two got fined and fired. Okay. Unlike Belichick, who decided to write a check. I mean, the Patriots, the Patriots, the Flagate, 
let's just spend Tom Brady four games at the beginning of the year. To me, I thought that was wrong because now he'll just be that much healthier and fresher at the end of the season. You cheat in the playoffs, you should be suspended from the playoffs. So, do you like make the Astros not playoff eligible? Well, it's not like you can, they used to do that in college football, but if you're not playoff eligible, Major League Baseball, what kind of team and performance are going to really put out there? How yeah. do you affect the records then? Correct. So you can't you can't really do that in pro sports. Do you suspend a lot of players? Okay, great. But you're hurting everybody else now. Okay, Astros, your players are all suspended for 90 days. If you take a third of their team down for 90 days, that's a 10 and 80 record right there. You just give wins to everybody else they're playing. Hey, wait, I played them late in the year. Why am I not getting the easy schedule, the easy lineup? So you got to be careful on that too, you know. So that's why I think money and draft picks. I know the Astros lost a lot of draft picks. That's basically where you're going to have to hurt them the most. Very interesting. Anything else on the cheating scandal, Andy? No, but, you know, every day more and more stuff's coming up. I know we'll be posting stories on our Facebook page. So you can follow that throughout the week to see any more exciting news, um, any more coaching changes and stuff like that. Awesome. Great. Well, let's move on to the music section of the segment uh, of, the, uh, of, the, of the show. And um, So uh, what's your album of the week this week, sir? Well, my album, what I've been listening to this, this week was an album by Cinderella called Long Cold Winter. Uh, I thought it would be fitting because of the snow we've been getting, but this was a, a May 1988 release uh, from the rock slash glam band Cinderella. Uh, did you, you like that one, uh, correct? Yes, that's one of my favorite ones, big Tom Kiefer guy, yes. Well, the, uh, the track listing was, uh, starting off the, the album was Bad Seamstress Blues slash Falling Apart at the Seams, very good. They went really more into the blues on this album. Their original uh, studio album was Night Songs, and this was their second their second uh, studio album. And uh, it was released on Mercury Records, 43 minutes and 51 seconds in length. Um, Night Songs was released in 86, Long Cold Winter in 88, and then subsequently it was Heartbreak Station. But uh, this record reached number 10 in the U.S., uh, ended up going triple platinum. And the thing I liked about this album myself is that they got into more of a blues, rock-oriented direction, very similar to early 70s Rolling Stones, Aerosmith, Humble Pie, Deep Purple, yeah. and Bad Company. Kind of, a, kind of a feel to it with those types of bands. They did have four yeah. singles. They had four singles, uh, Don't Know What You've Got Till It's Gone. And the last mile, coming home, and Gypsy Road. Uh, they had some other songs in there that I liked as well. Fire and Ice, uh, if you don't like it, Second Wind, and and of course Long Cold uh, Winter. But that was some good good album, good music there. They had Tom Kiefer, uh, guitar lead singer. I've always liked him. Jeff Labar on guitar, bass was Eric Brittingham, and drums. Uh, for the tour was Fred Curry. He was credited yeah. on the album as the drummer, but didn't actually pl play in any of the songs in the studio, studio uh, recording studio. That was done by Joseph Starnes, Cozy Powell, and Denny Carmasi actually did the laid down the tracks for the album, and then Fred Curry came in for the actual tour. So he was still credited on the album as being the drummer, and he actually wasn't. 
also came out of Pennsylvania area, Philadelphia uh, type of location. And I did some uh, research here on Tom Kiefer for the for the listening audience out there. Uh, he's always he's he has a good story, but I'll read this here from the Wikipedia page. Tom Kiefer grew up in a musical family, began playing guitar at a young age. Kiefer soon fell in love with the blues and was heavily influenced by this kind of music. Kiefer joined his first rock band while in junior high school. He soon soon learned to play the electric guitar, but the young musician struggled with drug and alcohol abuse in high school and even considered dropping out of school to pursue a music career. But his mother came into play. His mother bribed her son to stay in school by promising him a Gibson Les Paul guitar upon graduation. Well, that was all the, uh, in, uh, what he needed, the motivation, graduated and then received his coveted instrument. After graduating, Kiefer played in such bands as Saints in Hell, Telepath, and Diamonds. But I like his, his style, his music, his uh, voice, his vocal cords. He's struggled recently actually having surgery on his left vocal cord over the last couple of decades, uh, really giving him trouble, but he does have a distinct uh, voice. Cinderella was originally discovered by Gene Simmons of Kiss, who unsuccessfully attempted to get the band signed. But then Bon Jovi in 1985... The, their A&R manager went to a show at the Empire Rock Club in Philadelphia and says, we need to get Tom Kiefer and Cinderella signed. And so uh, that's how they got, that's how they got out there. Uh, they were in Philadelphia, did really well. Uh, his Tom Kiefer's wife, Emily at the time, he had married her in 1987. She, a little known fact, trivia question here. She actually designed the band's unique logo. Yeah, in fact, Tom Kiefer uh, just had a second solo album, Rise, come out, his first one. Um, it took him 10 years to record it, recorded himself because of just, it took him that long to get his vocals back. And so, yeah, he's, you can't tell today listening to him that he had all those issues with it, but yeah, he's still sounding good. Now, that's all I've got for my album of the week. That It was uh, still very good, very bluesy, but I did pick it here because of this, uh, this uh, winter snowstorm that we're dealing with. Long, Cold Winter by Cinderella. Always a great one to throw in with some great tracks by a great band. It's actually very underrated, underappreciated band. Yeah, they were, they were kind of the, the, the other one. You know, oh, what's your four favorite bands? You four bands. Oh, yeah, and Cinderella would be my other one. You know, or three, oh, and Cinderella. They were always kind of other mention all the time. Now, also on music, I wanted to uh, uh, let listeners know that the Rock of Rock of uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees were announced on Wednesday, and here are the inductees to the 35th class, 35th annual class of inductees. Six, six were in, inducted: the the Depeche Mode, the Doobie Brothers, Whitney Houston, Nine Inch Nails, the Notorious Big B.I.G., and T-Rex. So uh, this is where we run into issues, and I'm, I'm not sure if you agree with me or not on this one, but the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I, I have an issue with Whitney Houston being inducted 
I've got an issue with Notorious Big, and that's a Brooklyn-based rapper. And so my question is, uh, I brought this up on Facebook because I do this every year. Uh, I usually don't like the ones that are in, and of course the bands that don't get included are the ones that are really deserving. This year we had uh, Thin Lizzy, Soundgarden, and Judas Priest all not make the cut, which should be and should have been in the Hall of Fame many years ago. And so right. someone made a post when I was uh, ripping on Whitney Houston on my Facebook page uh, as far as making it, saying that she thought he, she had a very good voice. And I said, I don't disagree with you. She's got an awesome voice, a tremendous voice, and she should be in the music or pop Hall of Fame. My issue right. is that it's called the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Now, Andy, do you know, if is, is there a pop or a music, general music uh, Hall I, of Fame? I don't know if there's a regular music Hall of Fame or not. Um, I just know that if you're going to have, or if you're going to call it the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, maybe have different wings of it. Here's, here's the rap one. Here's for, you know, rap, hip-hop, R, R&B one. Here's a dance one. Here's pop music one. Here's whatever. And that, and that, I, I would agree. Break it into categories. I would agree with that. If you're going to call the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I'd be okay with that. I would totally agree with that. Um, you know, we get, you get the, uh, the stigma of rock and roll and you hear this uh, Depeche mode. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I got no problem really with the Doobie Brothers um, and Nine Inch Nails. But, and T-Rex is a good pick, too. Yep. And, and so you get these teams, uh, you get these groups, these bands, uh, Judas Priest, Soundgarden, um, that are prolific in what they've done. And the millions of albums that they, um, you know, sold are sitting there year after year as a nominee and never making it. Now, the odd thing this year, and I'll close on this, the, they do a vote. Uh, like a fans do a vote, kind of like the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. And actually, the leading vote-getter this year was a band that didn't make it, but was nominated, the Dave Matthews Band. Okay. They had the, they were the leading vote-getter this year and didn't even make the induction. Um, now, I'm, I'm glad about that because I also don't believe that they should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But, boy, um, they didn't even make the cut. They were the leading. They were like the fan favorite, essentially. There is, a, I just checked the Hall of Fame as we're talking here. There is a, there's the Country Music Hall of Fame, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the Musicians Hall of Fame. Now, a lot of states have their own Hall of Fames. The Minnesota Hall of Fame, the Long Island Hall of Fame. Uh, there's a Grammy Hall of Fame that Whitney Houston can go there. I'm sure she's got plenty of Grammys for that. Songwriters Hall of Fame. So a lot of different, you know, states all have their own. Dance Music Hall of Fame, there's one of those. Uh, you know, so there is different options. I just think if the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame put maybe put categories in there or, or wings or something you want to call it, that'd be great. Correct. Like or or rename it. People getting snubbed by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Look back at your list a while ago. Ted Nugent's not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Correct. And not and not that he deserves it, but he should be for sure a nominee or a nomination. Yeah. And then you see how the fans vote uh, after that. But good. The, uh, the the long career that he's had spanning four decades, but it's interesting nonetheless. Hall of Famers. I have some news and birthdays for the week. Yes. All right, we'll start out uh, January twelfth, twenty thirteen. Black Sabbath, complete with their newly reunited original frontman Ozzy Osbourne, announced the upcoming release of their album Thirteen, the first Black Sabbath album in eighteen years. Hmm. 1969, January 12th, Led Zeppelin's self-titled debut album came out in America, was released. One of the best. 
Again, those games are two o'clock and five forty. Uh, when did they change it? So a few years ago, you used to do one game Saturday, one game Sunday. And I think that was. I think that game. was. I think that was many years ago, actually. Uh, I, mean, I like the better was one game each day. Correct. Right. But 
Yeah, now they now they load it up and do everything on a on a full day on a Sunday, and then have you know four hours of pregame show. So it eats up your whole day. Yes. So with no pro football today, no college football today, great day to go in the archives and check out all the other shows and listen to them. Sounds good. All right. Have a good week. You too. Talk to you later. Thanks.